You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. For the 31st time in franchise history, the L.A. Kings will play in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And for the second time in our podcast history, The Bannerman will be doing playoff episodes. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? I am excellent, my friend. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. I, I was remembering how I think... The first season we did this, they made the playoffs and it ended very unceremoniously. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, ah, it's fine. Next year, you know, we'll be better at this. They'll be better at this. And boy, has it taken us a long time to get to here. Reminds me of a young Luke Robitaille when 1993, after they lost to Montreal, (laughs) turned to Rob Blake and said, we'll be back next year. Yeah. They make the playoffs for five and then took another extended break from the playoffs after that. It's the ebbs and flows of Kings hockey, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, no idea how this season's going to go. No idea how this postseason's going to go. But I certainly hope that uh, next season we can build on the success of this season for sure. I think it's a different place in the team's trajectory and development. You would think this is like step one of several steps that are to come. And it's a good step one. We've talked mm-hmm. about this several times. It's more reminiscent of the Kings making the playoffs in 2010, mm-hmm. although they were like a 100-point team that year. Not far off this year, yep. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but they were a very good team that year. And I think they had already put the pieces in motion. Their core pieces were kind of in place. And you're like, all right, these are the guys that are going to take us to wherever we need to go in the next decade. Not so much the case with this team, but it's an interesting dynamic of like, some guys are getting one more kick at the can. Other guys are like, Philip Deneau, for example, is a pretty much playoff veteran at this point, but still very much in his prime. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are players like that, obviously Arvidsson and whatnot. And then there's like this young group of players that have no idea what they're walking into. It's a very fascinating kind of mix that we're going to see starting Monday. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited. I have, you know, we talked about this, I think, before that to me, I feel like they're playing with house money at this Absolutely. point. I, I, I consider the season a dramatic success despite all the, the hurdles they've had to overcome. And so I'm I'm going to enjoy watching. I certainly don't want to see them get swept or anything, but I'm not going to be like an emotional wreck say for example like if i were a toronto maple leafs fan going into this you know the the expectations i think are are just so different for this team right now than they are for a lot of the other teams in the playoffs i think quite frankly there's no other team like them in the playoffs in terms of low low to low-ish expectations you know you can maybe make the case for like maybe the rangers (laughs) I don't but know, man. <laughs> I, 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 everyone like, else. No, you're right. And I've heard many, or read, I should say, many comments, you know, message boards and things that are, you know, everyone who comments on the series likes the Oilers, says the Kings are, like, lucky to be here. Easiest matchup for any top team is in Edmonton's favor. This should be a good warm-up series from Edmonton. Things like that that are being commonly said about the Kings not being said about any other team, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. So 
if and I understand, like if you look at those teams, there's only one team where you're like, oh, good for them, you mm-hmm. know, good for them. They made it when maybe it wasn't a lock. I think every other team, man, the East was locked in what a month ago. Yeah, November. So I understand it, but at the same time, these people don't really watch the Kings. They don't know what the team can do. They don't know the style of play. They don't know if it's a good matchup or if it's a bad matchup. If you're just looking at, oh, the Kings overachieved, so good on the Oilers for seeding with them. Right. You might get surprised is all I'm saying. Right, and I think it's funny that that people think that the Kings overachieved because they – Correct me if I'm wrong. I have to look at the standings here, but didn't they finish ahead of Dallas and Nashville in terms of points? So I mean, is it is it really considered an overachievement if you're not like squeaking into the playoffs necessarily? Like they were comfortably in the playoffs with a few games left in the season versus Nashville and Dallas. They flip flopped who their opponent was going to be based on the last game of the season. So you know, take that for what it's worth. I, yeah, I, I think. I, Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, no. I was just going to say that I like being underestimated. I think it it creates a no-pressure situation, and that's exactly what you want going into playoff hockey. I think it's because the Kings were poor last year. Mm-hmm. like And the Kings, there was a pseudo-timeline put on them about when, when they're going to be good, and it's not going to be this year. And then the injuries, and then all this stuff. So you, you kind of erase them if you're a casual fan, like, from any kind of contention, but neither Dallas or Nashville, if I'm not mistaken, were in the playoffs last season. Uh, I think you're right about Dallas because they made it the um, they made it the bubble year. It was last right? Now my ears are all messed up, man. Yeah. Well, so last season the North Division was still a thing. Okay. It was a condensed schedule. The The final didn't happen in the bubble. Yes. The 2020 playoffs happened in the bubble. Yes. And yes, there are, there were different kind of qualifiers to make the playoffs last season, but those two teams didn't make the playoffs. Right. Just floating that out there. Right. The top four teams in each uh, conference or division in this case made the playoffs. So anyway, I, I to kind of bring it back to what we were talking about, I think it's expectations drop significantly at some point in the season. I think there was higher expectations to start. Took a big dip with injuries, key players out, you know, six or four, four regular defensemen out for the majority mm-hmm. of the season and all this. So I think that's that's that vibe that has stuck with the team. But they've been playing well. I mean, and people don't watch that. We do. And all the people listening do and all Kings fans that live and die by every, with every game do. So I like the I like it. I want this position for the Kings. Like you mentioned, you mentioned the Leafs. All the pressure is on Edmonton. They're at a point in their, you know, team development where it's time to go deep mm-hmm. for them. McDavid and Drysaddle, it's time to make noise in the playoffs for them. And if they don't if they don't beat the Kings, let's just put it that way. There will be they might set the city of Edmonton on fire. <laughs> yeah, they've they've had a crazy season and I and kudos to them I guess for turning things around the way they did after 
after firing Dave Tippett. I don't know how much of that you can credit to just any type of coaching change in general, or if you want to give credit to their new coach and say like, oh, he's, he's got his finger on the pulse of the team. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just change for the sake of change automatically leads to this kind of improvement. But I don't think anyone could have expected Mike Smith to go on the type of run that he's had to, to end the season either. Something like 9-0 and and three or two shutouts, like just outstanding play from him. Um, but he still remains a question mark. He will always remain a question mark. You never know which Mike Smith you're going to get. And especially in a seven game series, it's, you know, a, a team like the Kings that has played him knows his strengths and weaknesses. I think over, over a seven game series can definitely expose those weaknesses. And then you're right back to, you know, head case, Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's I, possible. We've seen both. We've seen yeah. both in the same series. Yep. In fact, about 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, all those things happened. Um, but you mentioned the coaching team. I do give credit to Jay Woodcroft. I do. The team has been, since the coaching change, they've gone 26-9-3, and mm-hmm. which is a fantastic record, obviously. But more than that, I've noticed and I've seen that they're playing more – they're playing a style that's more conducive to the playoffs than they mm-hmm. have been in previous years. Like you could tell, you know, I, I was reading an article when they're talking about there's more uh, or they're paying more attention to the details of the game and they're more paying more attention to playing both sides of the puck and they don't need to go and outscore their opponent, you know, seven to six to win a game and yada, 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 yada. So I think all those things have changed the way the team plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I expect them to, Man, I expect them to come out guns a-blazing in game one. I really do. I think they know how important this series is and this playoff run is. And I think the way they've closed out the season, they're on fire. Mike Smith is on fire. They're winning games. They're scoring. Um, They're also defending pretty well for the most part. So the Kings are facing the best version of the Oilers. Correct. Since Connor McDavid was drafted and maybe even before that. And that's a fact, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I think we saw this version of them the times that we played them, Um, you know, even because ironically, we ended up playing them, I think, just after Dave Tippett got fired because there was delays in the games and stuff because of COVID and everything. And even then, you could see that they're playing a totally different game. And then later towards the season, they were definitely going on all cylinders and they look like a, a more balanced team i think in all categories so hey man i'm i'm all for a good series i i truly truly and i mean this i i obviously i want the kings to win but i i don't necessarily care what the results are going to be i think the value is in playing the games getting the experience um certainly you know now with dustin brown's retirement news and things like that you've got that one extra little emotional component which is always good i think and um it'd be nice to do a bit more per se with with his last playoff run but i don't think anyone is going to be you know beating themselves up if if it doesn't quite go that way yeah listen i expect the oilers to win this series if i if i'm calling the spades my expectation is that oilers win this series Mm-hmm. But I expect it to be a series. Like I don't like I'm not talking about a five game with three blowouts in there. Um, 
they might even go the distance. I think that there's a strong possibility. I think the Kings can give the Oilers big problems. I really do. Mm-hmm. If you look at, you know, matchup wise, you got Kopitar and Dano against McDavid and Dreisaitl. I don't mind our chances or the Kings mm-hmm. chances in that. In net, it's Quick versus Smith. I don't mind the Kings chances in that. Yeah, I mean, and you could go up and down the lineup, and and that's I think you can make an argument that the Oilers' wingers and depth are are a little stronger than the Kings. But I expect the Kings to come in and and play a really tight game. And the big question is, everything's pointing to this question being yes, but can the Oilers play a t- that tight game for seven games, mm-hmm. six games, five games, whatever? Can they play that style? and overwhelm the Kings. And I'm very, it's, it's not a given. And that's the most exciting part. Like I, I look forward to the, to them competing. I, I do too. I, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. I really don't care. You know, I, I want to, I guess what I'm saying, the most important thing to me is going to be to see the, the Kings players, the younger players elevate their game. That's, that's the most important thing to me, you know, uh, are guys like, say, Velarde, for example, if he does actually draw into the lineup, is he going to play the game that he played the last two games of the regular season when they put him back in there? Or is it going to be kind of fading away again, getting, you know, overwhelmed by the lack of space, the tighter checking, the higher physicality of the play? Those are the things that are going to be important to me to watch. The end result becomes a little less important because I have the exact same expectations you do. I think that they're coming in, like you mentioned, the best version of themselves, highest expectations I think they've had since McDavid and Dreisaitl got there. So that's okay. That's okay by me. I'm not, I'm not blind to the fact that the Kings are not the better team necessarily going into this series on paper. I'm also curious, you mentioned the young guys, obviously, and it is the most important thing. But another intriguing thing is, is I am curious to see Kopitar and Brown specifically, mm. if they truly do have another gear, if they truly do, or they truly have been kind of waiting for this, and they do still have a, a switch they could flip mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I, that's a very curious kind of narrative for me in this series. Obviously, Dowdy, if he were playing, I think, the curiosity wouldn't be there because I think the expectation <laughs> is that he does have that switch. But I, I am going to be looking closely at those two guys because, quite frankly, against a team like this, like you need number 11. If he's not at his best, the Kings could have serious problems against this team. Like where this matchup I talked about down the middle, Kopitar Deno versus McDavid Dreisaitl, only looks okay if Kopitar is truly playing at mm-hmm. a peak level or the best – of his abilities right now so that's something i'm curious about i'm curious about quick you know obviously he's been playing great but can he can he do it in the playoffs again his resume says that's a stupid question but i don't know i don't know it's been a while for him he's in a good groove and as much as i'm very eager and very much looking forward to the younger players getting these opportunities i'm also keeping an eye on three of the core four that's remaining right now yeah, and I, I, beyond this year, I think it's relevant because say they do build on this, say next year we're back in the similar position, 
Not that the Pacific's getting any easier. I think it's only going to get harder next year. But say they are fortunate enough and they're back in the same position, that's another year on Kopitar. That's another year on Quick. You know, it's I think I think if they're going to bring that kind of game, it's going to be harder and harder to do it every single year that they get older. So I agree with you that it'd be nice to see what they're capable of doing right now, because then that would give me more hope that next year when we're a little bit better off, when the surrounding team is a little bit better, that they still might have that in the tank for them, you know? It's been a short little while, but we're, we're going to watch playoff hockey starting Monday. And it's starting in Edmonton. And it's the first time since 1992 that these two meet, teams are meeting in the playoffs after a long playoff history, after a history featuring several players wearing both uniforms, not just several players, some of the greatest players to ever play hockey have worn both uniforms. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm like a 15-year-old again, Vardy. <laughs> Did the Kings make the playoffs that year? I don't know, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm rejuvenated as a Kings fan. Yeah, I, I do. I want to make one point, though. Quick, last time they were in the playoffs, which was obviously in 2018 against Vegas when they went 0-4. This gets lost even to me. Like, I totally forgot about it, but I look back. He only allowed seven goals in those four games. He had a .947 That's right, save percentage and lost. Like... The Kings couldn't oh, score. I nope. remember the Kings couldn't it's score. And shocking, right? It's just a shocking narrative. And um, I remember us actually coming on after the series and saying the closest sweep that you could probably mm-hmm. dream up was was that series. Every Man. game was contested. Every game came down to the last shot, I think. And so he his playoff resume <laughs> remains sparkling, and there is, I guess, no debate about his 2018 performance, but I mean, seriously, between two teams and four games, 10 goals total were scored. Yeah. Just (laughs) anemic offense. So the Kings had three goals in four four games. games. Correct. Wow. And two shutouts for for Marc-Andre Fleury in that series. I'm going to go ahead and say if they do that this series, it will also be a sweep. Yeah, I, it's Big they words. need a score. They need a score. I, I I don't expect quick to, you know, be able to keep them to a point nine four seven safe percentage, and they got to be able to score. That's that's what it comes down to. And I think there's, I don't think I think everyone who watches this team is will probably yell it with me if I do yell it is that their special teams have to really step up. You know, I saw a funny stat. I was looking through all these like playoff preview stats. You may have seen this too, but do you care to hazard a guess what the what the power play uh, percentages or power play success and to chance ratios were between these two teams in their in their regular season series? In the regular season series, no, but mm-hmm. I do know that Edmonton's power play is. Probably in the top 10. Oh, no, no. I mean, again, just against each no, other. Head I don't to head. know. Are you talking okay. about power play success? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Edmonton was 0 for 10. Those numbers <laughs> will do in, mm-hmm. in this series, but... Well, that's good. I guess that's encouraging. But I do know there's a big 
special teams discrepancy between both these these teams. And I, oh yeah, I overall I, yes. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. even sure where Edmonton's PK is, but I know it's. Yeah, I'm now I'm like struggling to find it. It was like on one of those, uh, you know, Twitter things that you kind of come across, and it was from uh, TSN's Stat Center that they put it up as part of their preview, and I saw that and I was like, really? That can't be right. <laughs> So, All right, here we go. You no, know, no, Edmonton, not that great on the PK. Take it back, 79%. Okay. LA, 76%. And they're separated by like five or six teams. So, but I know, but the power play has to be. I mean, it's, yeah, the power play has got to be like north of 23, 24%, right? Edmonton Oilers. 25.96, third best in the NHL. There you go. Kings in the bottom six at 16%. My Lord. That's got to change. That's got to change, obviously, if there's to be any success here in this yeah. series. Oh, man. I wish we were starting tonight. <laughs> oh, man. So, any okay, so I feel like we've... You know, we've we've got a, a handle of what we're gonna see with the Kings. Any other series that you're excited about? Yes. And I will tell you exactly which ones in a second. Uh Minnesota St. Louis. Oof. I think right that's out of the a, gate that's that's a, a blue collar series, right? That's there. a monster series. Both teams are great. The the blues were absolutely scorching closing out the season. Minnesota's got home ice advantage. On home, they are devastating offensively. This is going to be a great series. Like, I'm extremely, extremely excited about it. Uh, the other West series, honestly, like Calgary, Dallas, Colorado, Nashville. Like, where's, like, There's tell, no me, tell me the intrigue here. Yeah. Even um, less now that, that uh, Soros is hurt for yeah. Nashville. So it's like. Right, right. Um, Calgary, Dallas, I mean, come on. I've watched the Stars play plenty. There, there's nothing there. They're not a good team. They're going to get smoked. On the East Coast or in the Eastern Conference, Toronto, Tampa, obviously. You're talking about a mountain of pressure on Toronto. Another season where their expectations are high. And here's your reward, buddy. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions who have been essentially waiting for this because they have been cruising this season. There's games they're just not showing up. There's games they just didn't care. And now they're starting the series in Toronto. And you're telling me <laughs> that that team's not going to be motivated to not to take both those games, games one and two on Toronto's ice. So they're in for a tough one, man. And But you know what, man? If Toronto's going to do anything, if Toronto's ever going to reach the expectations that people have given them or put on them, there's no better way to start than, than to eliminate these guys. And it's going to be hard as hell. I, I think if you, I think if they can, I think if they can get past Tampa, it would be a, a huge motivational factor for them to start believing in themselves. I think, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it'd be very, very difficult to go into this series. Even if you're Toronto, even if you have home ice advantage, even if like you're coming off of 
a ridiculous season for Matthews, all those things. You've got a, a fairly decent season from Jack Campbell and all those things kind of going in your in your favor. I think it's still super difficult to not be intimidated by the team that you're going to play against. Listen, dude. Let me just put it this way. Should they upset Tampa, they will more than likely play Florida in the next round. Right. Should they upset Florida, they will be more than likely playing Colorado or Calgary in the next round. It's a gauntlet. <laughs> So I, I maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm sorry, that would be the final obviously, but sure. Sure. Coming sure. out, you're still going to be waiting for like a Carolina or some crazy shit like that on in the Eastern conference final. I can't remember the last time that there's been so many teams in the playoffs that have been like, man, any one of these teams can take it. Like I, I felt pretty confident the last couple of years that Tampa was going to win it. You know, they just were the best team consistently. I thought maybe Colorado had an outside chance. Vegas, I think every season was Vegas, was right? Deep like in there, yeah. There was two or three. Tell me you can like without a shadow of a doubt right now, tell me that there's a favorite favorite. You can say Florida because they're president's trophy, whatever, but like to me the record is not indicative necessarily of like there's a true favorite team here that's you know clearly above the other teams i think if it's if anything it's colorado by a hair Hmm. if and that's even like over florida really yeah and i think it's because of the history and like everything that happened and you have to lose before you know how to win and you know all all that stuff so Man, if your there, pregame speeches are fantastic. If there's one, like if there, if there, if I have to really stretch Armstrong this and, and put one in there, like I'm going Colorado. That being said, dude, the East, you're telling me that you can't foresee Pittsburgh coming out of the East the way they've been playing. I can. I I, I never ever put anything past Crosby and Malkin. No, I, if, I never do. In fact, I expect them to beat the Rangers in the first in the first round. I don't believe in the Rangers. Their five-on-five metrics are not good. They yeah, have, they're basically riding Shesterkin in the power play. That's it. That's it. That's it, man. That covers all pretty much all their success. Whereas Pittsburgh has been excellent five-on-five. Mm-hmm. They don't have the goaltending, I guess, in name, but they're getting the goaltending, statistically speaking. So, uh, yeah, I ex- that's in that series. I in my bracket, I have Pittsburgh in six. I, I I think I agree with that. I think Pittsburgh in six is a good prediction. What are your thoughts, I guess, on Toronto Tampa then? I have a Stanley Cup ticket on Toronto, so in my wow. bracket I have Toronto going going past and I think there's no there's no logic to that. Like there's no logic to me picking Toronto in seven other than like what when's the last time someone uh had a three peat? Mm-hmm. Spoiler, 1983 and or 1982. And then, you know, at some point, Toronto has to climb that hill, right? And this is, it sets up perfectly. So I'm going with bullshit hockey narratives and like emotion. I like it. I, like it. I got Toronto in seven to walk and then walking into Florida and getting hammered. Yeah, I have, I have Tampa in seven. And then uh, I think Florida obviously is, is going to, be the winner from that first, you know, the caps. I just, I don't believe in the caps. 
I love some aspects of the Caps, but I just don't believe that they're a special team compared to these other teams in the East. No, I really don't. They've been insanely inconsistent this season. I think Vitek Vanacek is their number one goalie. Yeah. I think the Samsonov kind of fell out of favor there. Right. Didn't right. play well. And he was supposed to be the guy. So there is that like that lingering over the team. They're allowing goals. They're not scoring as much as they were scoring before. And now you got to play Florida. Yeah. Who is just I mean and, salivating. And yeah. And, yeah. You know, they're they outscoring. There's no weaknesses. Is, There's no weaknesses on that team like maybe, whatsoever. Maybe in net, but you're getting Bobrovsky who's pretty good goalie in the playoffs career wise so you know you got you know if he's locked in they're going to be fine yeah um i just i think florida is fine against washington and i think washington kind of knows it yeah so i think florida is going to take that in five against I got, washington i got florida in six you okay. said you have tampa in seven i have toronto in seven mm-hmm. so that would set up i think carolina uh, boston yeah, I, I think Carolina takes that one. I think that goes seven as well. I got Carolina in six. Okay. And then, like I said, I have Pitt in six. Yeah, and I have Pitt in six as well. So then at that point, the second round matchups become, uh, what is it? Carolina. For you, it's, yeah. For you, it's Florida-Tampa. For me, it's Florida-Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then Carolina-Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, guess, that- I'm guessing our conference final is probably the same. I'm, I, I think Florida beats Tampa at that point. I think yes. Florida takes it in six against Tampa. Um, and then uh, I think uh, I think Carolina actually gets to the conference final. So I don't like, know. If, yeah. Oh, good. I, okay. I just yeah. think they're they're a good team. Man. They're, just they're too good deep, teams. man. They're too deep for Pittsburgh. Like, you know, I think the issue is Freddie Anderson. I don't know about his health if he's going to start. The series, I haven't followed up on that, but Ranta closed yeah. out the season for them. So there is that little kind of issue, but you're talking about second round at this right. point, right? So maybe he's back. And yeah, I got Florida, Carolina in the conference final and Florida going to yep. the cup final. Yep. That's what I have too. So then out West. To the West uh, we go. <laughs> so out West, I think. Colorado in bo- three. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a. I think that's going to be a sweep. I think it's going to be Colorado sweeping Dallas, and I think Calgary is going to take it in five against Nashville. It's actually the opposite. My bad. Either way, doesn't Colo- matter. Yeah, Colorado Nashville. I got Colorado in five. Um, Minnesota St. Louis. I I went St. Louis in that's seven. That's going seven, man. I I give it Minnesota All for right, the home ice good. advantage, and because they're my uh, they've always have been my mistress team. Yes. Since the days of Gabby. That's right. But I, I'm just giving the edge to St. Louis. But, you know, if I'm really – it's a coin flip. And it is. If it, and if it, it's going to come down to one thing, it might come down to Mark andre Fleury against Jordan Binnington. Mm-hmm. And tough to go against the Flowers, so I don't blame you. Isn't – isn't uh, who so? I don't know who their starter is. I, I'm not sure. But Binnington's been playing really well down the stretch. So Okay. I don't know if it's going to be – there's no there's no clarity there, if I'm being yeah. honest, is who it's going to be. And, you, and things can change in the playoffs too when you've got kind of a platoon yeah. system like yeah, that. Yeah, like sure, it sure. doesn't really matter. But um, I think the home ice advantage for Minnesota is what gives them the slight edge for me in seven games. They are devastating at home, yes. Yeah. 
Calgary, Dallas, I think we both – I have Calgary in five, not that it matters, but I think Dallas maybe sneaks one out. And then Daryl, like, cracks the whip, and then off they go. Yeah. I'm okay with Calgary in five. I think Colorado's going to sweep Nashville. And, and now, then do, 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 I think do, 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 do. yeah, I think Edmonton wins in six against the Kings. Can, I'm giving the I'm yeah. giving the Kings two wins. Edmonton in six or seven. My bracket says six, but I mean, well, sure, let's say six. Edmonton in six, but I, I sure. do I do believe I do believe that it, this can this can go our way. I really do believe that, and uh, we're usually somewhat pessimistic. Or maybe realistic. I don't know. <laughs> but we are, we don't, you know, we're not the... Depends on who you ask. Some people just say we're assholes. Too, we're not, so. yeah, we're not. <laughs> I, I guess my point is we're not like hashtag GKG, like we're going to do it because, like, yeah. no, I, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't trying to analyze. Like I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah. we're trying to figure out the matchups. We're trying to figure out why certain things go in a team's favor and why they don't. Um, and And more than anything, man, I just think... It's not the king's time, but that being said, we are now in an era of like anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Montreal last year, okay, here's a perfect example. Definitely, absolutely, it's a great example. Was there anything on that team that was particularly special? Philip Deneau carried that team, yeah, and, and, and Carey Price, now. and Carey Price, full marks to Carey Price. And I think that's the X factor that the Kings have too, like. If Jonathan Quick goes Super Saiyan Jonathan Quick on this, like anything can happen. And by the way, after Montreal defeated Edmonton last year, all the talk coming out of that series was how well Philip Deneau played Connor McDavid Mm -hmm. and how he smothered Connor McDavid and how that matchup was overwhelmingly in favor of Montreal when it was all said and done. But that was defensive Philip Deneau. We have unleashed offensive Philip Deneau now. Right. Now he counterattacks. <laughs> so so for every stop, there might be a scoring chance. I love it. So there's, you know, there are things. There are things that make me not blindly believe, but truly believe the Kings can, can make a dogfight out of this. Let me just say this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked would you be if the Kings win this series? Five. Wow. Just a five. Just a five. It's, it's, it wouldn't be that shocking to me. It really wouldn't. I'm at a seven. I, I, it wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't. I don't think... So I think 10 is shock, right? Yeah. So let's say that. Like, 10 is... If you're a 10, you're going to get shocked. Yeah. At a seven, I think I'd be surprised. Yeah. At a five, here's the thing. If they if they win this, it's it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be because something on that level of like Jonathan Quick stealing games, just being unbeatable. You know what I mean? It's going to be one of these things that like someone or a line or something just is in the zone for every single game and they just can't be stopped. I don't think it's going to be one of these like one goal games every single game slug it out get to seven that would shock me if they get into a seven game slugfest with these guys eking out one goal games i would be shocked if they win a game like that i would be less shocked if it was 
some a line or a player stepping up to the point where like the other team every press conference are just like we got to figure out a way to be quick we got to figure out you know what am i making sense or am yeah. i kind of like no no you're making sense you're making sense like for example st louis minnesota you were talking how it's so even it's gonna go seven coin flip that kind of situation i don't think that the kings and oilers can have that kind of series i think it's either going to be going exactly the way we think where Edmonton is just going to be too good or if the kings win it's going to be because we someone steps up to the point where Edmonton doesn't know what to do with themselves. And at that point, that wouldn't shock me because I know that they have the capability to play a game like that. See, I do think the Kings can make this a coin flip. Hmm. I think right now, as it stands, and if you're just looking at the two teams on paper, you might, I understand why most of the world doesn't feel that way. Believe me, I get it. But I do think that if the Kings play a certain way where every game is a tight game and it's a one-goal game, I think that sets up really well for the Kings to make this into a coin flip kind of series. That's that's certainly more their game. Yeah. And and listen, McDavid as otherworldly as he is and he is. I don't think he's the type of player that can kill you in like various ways. I think Dreisaitl is more of a player that can hit you three different ways. Like I think he's a Dreisaitl's a better playmaker than McDavid. I think Dreisaitl sees the ice better than McDavid. I think Connor mm. is just a devastatingly skilled player. Mm-hmm. He's he's a fine passer, and I think he's a very intelligent player. But I, his skill is individual. His he hurts you by like embarrassing, <laughs> almost <laughs> like embarrassing you. You know, he he'll beat you with speed. He'll beat you with skill. But in a tight kind of series, I I don't know. I don't know what he can do. And he's very hard to stop, believe me. And I don't think anyone in this league can stop him. But if your job is just to contain him enough where he's not going up and down the ice and just embarrassing every friggin' player you have, mm-hmm. I think you can handle him. And I think that's why Montreal was able to handle him. I will say this, and uh, it's the one bittersweet part of of them making the playoffs this year, completely different series. If Dowdy's playing, if if Dowdy is playing, I'm, I I feel way better about the Kings' chances of, of winning this series. Not because like he's going to be amazing, shut down, whatever. I just think that his presence in that kind of game is, it, again, it it hits that level. He's got that other step. He's got this like playoff Dowdy mode, just like Quick's got that playoff Quick mode that that levels the playing field in my opinion see if the kings had dowdy maybe i'd say five two on that surprise mm, one to ten okay. scale maybe so if, if dowdy wasn't there your surprise would be a three <laughs> yeah i because i have that you, much yeah. i have that much faith in especially with the way he was playing the regular season i have that much faith for the type of player he would be in the playoffs and He's also the kind of guy that, that that raises all ships, right? You know what I mean? Like he's the type of guy where, just like Deneau is, where if he's on, he's pulling everyone else with him. And if Quick's on and he's on, like it just, I think there would be enough there in the toolbox where I would be, where I would, I would start thinking that Edmonton was 
a little bit worried about the Kings. Right now, I don't think they're worried about the Kings. I think Dowdy would be enough to make them worried about the Kings. That makes sense to me. They should be worried. I'm just saying, with or without They should Dowdy. be. They 100% should be. And I hope to God they're not. I hope they're just sitting there and think, thinking about the second round already and how they're probably going to play Calgary and the Battle of Alberta and the entire right. hockey world is, right. you know, lactating <laughs> as they're sitting. <laughs> and I hope the Kings go in there and shit on everyone's plans. That's what we're good at. Here's, here's my... What we did in 2012. Here's my vision. If the Kings go in and win game one, many pants will be soiled in that arena. <laughs> Because all those bad feelings are going to come in. Those players who have been through so much negative shit, their mind is going to start working. Mm-hmm. One shift at a time, one game mm-hmm. at a time. And if you do that enough time, you will break this team. I agree. You got to go Rocky against Apollo here. Not that I think that Edmonton is Apollo level, but the narrative, I think, is very similar. I like Nothing you know, to lose. I love a Rocky reference. Oh. You know that. <laughs> No, that, there was there was no accident on my part. <laughs> I was reading an article on the Athletic. I think uh, the great illustrious Lisa Dillman wrote it, and she asked, "Who was it?" A couple of people. Ray Ferraro said Oilers in six. Craig Button said Oilers without any number of games. Kevin Weeks of ESPN said, "If uh, Mike Smith is healthy, Oilers in seven. If Mike Smith at all is not healthy, Kings in six. And one former NHL general manager, unnamed, said Kings, Jonathan Quick. I bet you that general manager is. Was it you, Vardy? That's right. Do you moonlight? That's right. No, it was was a gentleman whose name rhymes with Shmeen Mombardi. (laughs) (laughs) That would be. If it like, why not just give his name if it's him? That'll be so entertaining. <laughs> anyway, it's either him no, or Hextall, it, right? <laughs> it, it, it can't be Dean. That answer was entirely too short for it to be Dean. <laughs> exactly, it would be a three paragraphs minimum. So. That's right. All right, so let's say let's say the Oilers win. All right. No. Yeah. So then, like you said, Battle of Alberta. I think Cal- Calgary's just on another level right now, man. I think and, so too. And Daryl. I, I have so much faith in Daryl, obviously, and clearly that team's, you know, humming along, believes in everything that he's pitching. So I think Calgary wins that one. And then you set up, uh, now in my mind, it would be Minnesota, Colorado. Was that what the series the would be? The next round, yeah. That's a tough series, That's a man. tough, entertaining, amazing series. That's right. I'd, I'd like to think Colorado has enough to get through, but... Minnesota is the kind of team that can really give you some trouble there, even without home ice advantage Agreed. in that matchup. Agreed. And I have Colorado St. Louis. I have Colorado going to the conference final. Yeah. And I have Calgary going to the conference final. Setting right. up to me would probably be the most exciting series. That's a that's a fun series of and, two very different play styles. And even though in my bracket I have Colorado advancing. That is a friggin' nightmare matchup for Colorado. Yeah, one hundred percent. You don't want you don't want to see that team, man. You do not want to see that team in the conference final because they, at that point, will probably be rolling mm-hmm. to a certain degree, and they'd be very settled in 
to what it takes to win a playoff game. And they have the coach. They have the coach they're, that will never allow them to release, ever. They're, they're the perfect antithesis to Colorado. They're yes. the perfect, like, the things that you are good at, we are good at stopping you. It's, it's an like you said, it's an absolute nightmare matchup. Colorado and seven. But, I have but Colorado, man, but I would not be... I'm I'm not at all confident in that pick. Yeah, I think that's just like the last team you want to see. Yeah, the last team you want to see coming out of the other side of the bracket. But so then you go Colorado, Florida. Do we both have the same Cup final then? Yeah, Colorado, Florida. Okay, so guaranteed we're wrong. But okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's never it's, it's never that easy, right? Um, and I have Florida winning again because I have a plus twenty five hundred ticket on them. <laughs> That I got from Mandalay Bay. That's twenty-five to one. I got it in July, and Daddy needs Genius. his money. Come Genius. on. Genius. Uh, I'm gonna stick with my preseason prediction of Colorado Avalanche winning the cup. That's fine. I mean, yeah, this is just if for, if for no other reason than they were my preseason prediction, and I have plus zero 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 ticket on them because I did not bet at all. <laughs> Fun fact: I also have a ticket on Colorado plus six hundred. There you go. So at that point, I will be dancing because I can hedge out. I don't even need to hedge out. I got. I, I'm in the green either way. Yeah. Might might hedge out a little bit just to even up the profits <laughs> on each side, but I will be dancing my way to Las Vegas at some point. So excellent. All good. Excellent. All good. All right. What is your favorite Dustin Brown memory? I was thinking about man, this. Um, yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? Before we continue. Yes. This is the Dustin Brown episode. It's Without episode, a shadow of a doubt. It's episode 84. He was born in 1984, and that's all I need. I'm done. It's fantastic. My logic is I don't sound. think there's any Kings players who were born in 84 anyway, but I'll confirm that. Before I get into my favorite memory, and I have a couple, the most amazing, I think, thing to me about Brown, as I was just watching the press conference and thinking about it, is... He's going out pretty much healthy. And that's incredible to me because he played a style that is not conducive to longe- uh, longevity in any way. Like, I can't remember him having any serious injuries. I don't know if you can. Anything truly long-term. No, this finger might have been the – the finger injury might have been the worst one that I yeah. recall him ever. I mean, he had some early stuff when he was a rookie, but it wasn't, like, major. Yeah, and that's amazing to me because – he essentially led the league in body contact for like so many seasons. In fact, he's the... And you that's know not even counting the ones he's missed. And <laughs> yeah. And how much has he fallen down? God, so many times. He retires, Marty, as the NHL's all-time leader in hits. and All-time? All-time. And the reason, there's an asterisk to this, the reason he's the NHL's all-time leader in hits is because they didn't record the stat until until 2005 that's when they started recording Mm. hits as a stat but (laughs) if you look at the record books dustin brown retires all-time leader in hits in nhl history throw as many asterisks as you want on it i don't care it's it's like they started collecting that stat just as he came into the league because they're like all right we're gonna we're gonna need some way to track this (laughs) yeah listen he probably you know, not 03, but probably 04, he was probably already in the top 10 in hits anyway. In 05, he mm-hmm. probably started leading the league in hits. I'm not 
you know, that's just random guesses, but okay. Um, favorite Brown memory. Uh, it's hard, man. It is very, very hard. And, and I'm going to do a cop-out answer and say the first round of the 2012 playoffs, yep. the in- entire goddamn thing is my favorite Dustin Brown memory. And I'm, it's so funny because I was going to do the exact same thing. Because, oh, awesome. Because here's the thing. That round, the way they played and the way he specifically played, that was the spark for the rest of the entire playoffs. If he doesn't come out, he doesn't play that way. He doesn't play the way he did in game two specifically. I think he got two shorthanded goals in game two, if I remember correctly. Like, it, it none of this happens. He doesn't lay that hit, hit on the Sedin. None of this happens. It, it elevated him and it elevated the team to a status that I don't even think that they knew that they could achieve. And as soon as that happened, and as soon as that round happened, it was over. It set the tone not just for the rest of the playoffs, but for the next three years, I think, was established by the way he played in that first round. Yeah, and I was debating between that answer and my number two is the empty net goal against St. Louis in game four in in the next round. Mm -hmm. Because even though that's a Brown moment, that's such a Kings moment. I think that's the first time in my life as an adult anyway, because I was only uh, 10 years old when the Kings went to the final in 93, and I was just, you know, very into it. But I didn't really have the knowledge and the understanding of, like, how hard this was for the Kings to get there and all this stuff. That's the first time probably in my entire life when I was like, oh, shit, this is different. Like, this is, like, I, I you start believing. Like, you don't, you weren't scared to say it anymore. It's like. Mm-hmm. Kings, Kings might win. Kings might win the fucking cup this year. Like I remember, right. like telling right. like little whispers. <laughs> yeah, like they just swept. Like it was they just bulldozed them, right? And then not just that. The last two minutes of that game, the entire building was going ape shit. I was in the building and I was like, "This is insane." Like I, I, I remember looking around and being like, "They might lose next round," so I'm just gonna really like soak it all in. Soak it all in and like kopitar jumping on him and tackling him after the empty netter and the king's bench going wild it's like holy shit (laughs) that was like the first holy shit i was like and i didn't know who they're gonna play next round but i remember it was either arizona or chicago and both of them i was like they could beat those guys and that's when you start really believing like okay so that's number two number three is the first time he lifted the cup and and that's just because of two things number one obvious the obvious one right Mm -hmm. like we've been waiting I was also in the building, um, and I was I was hammered by. I've said this many times. First intermission, I was already drunk because I was like, "This is it's happening tonight. We're up like three. But the like the thing I always remember is like he held it one way, then he switched his hand, and then he switched it back. He just didn't know how to hold the goddamn thing. He's like, I don't which know. Is, which is such a brown exactly. Thing. <laughs> it's like it's so. It's almost like yeah, that's how you know it, he's so excited they're all essentially kids out there anyway at that point right they're just like jumping and throwing shit around and taking their equipment off anyway so i always i always laugh at that every time i look at that video i can't not notice like he he holds it like this and then he and then he's just like okay just give me the goddamn thing <laughs> just let me figure, figure it out so 
Yeah, I think those those are my top three. Honorable mention that law passed by from Kovatar to Brown. That's a good one too. And there's just so many. The hits, like there's just so many. Yours, sorry, I didn't mean to No, no, I, I, I told you it was my it was the first round of the twenty twelve playoffs and specifically I guess game two. I think that was just you know, it's this is gonna sound odd, but like I've never I've never throughout like the last 10, 15 years, if you were to ask me immediately to be like, name three players on the Kings, right? Instinctively, my mind would probably go like, okay, Kopitar, Dowdy, quick. Brown would be fourth on that list, which is so stupid of me because it's only now that I look back and I go, man, how much of this team would even be this way if it wasn't for the way that he plays and the tone that he sets that allows those other guys to kind of be what they do. And it's, and it's really interesting when, when you look, because all four of those guys are, they're clearly gamers. They're clearly guys who step up when the moment counts, but they do it in such different ways, you know? And it's that, it's, it's the fact that they fit in those, those pieces of the puzzle so well for one another that it, it, it it created this special, special run of teams that we had. And, and I, and that's on me that I don't immediately associate him with, you know, core elements of Kings hockey. And we've said this before too, that multiple times us, bunch of other people, he was going through trade rumors. The play was not there. I, I think I always felt like he was replaceable. In a way, I felt like you can't do without daddy. You can't do without Kopi. You can't do without quick Brown. You could probably do without this might be nostalgia, call it what you will, but I'm, I'm starting to realize now after the fact that he, he really was not that replaceable. He, maybe he wasn't producing the numbers or, you know, creating the highlights or getting the all-star nods and things like that, like the other guys were, but replaceable is not the right definition he he had to be exactly who he was the way he was for that team for those teams to be successful i agree and i think i think we even take 2012 for granted sometimes because after that season he his career took such a dip right they stripped him of the captaincy and he just kind of everyone was just like okay what's next what's right. next like what's the next thing now like we were still in the cup window and we kind of as fans we can be jaded you know at at times and we can forget and i agree with you totally man i think and he, you know what's what i respect now about him so much like and this is this is like how i felt about mike tyson a lot of my this is gonna be a weird kind of <laughs> comparison i was gonna say i can't think of two more different people aside from the fact that they hit I know, so but like, go on. and this is, this is not going to be good. I already know it, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> okay. As those two individuals, Mike Tyson and Dustin Brown, have aged and have vocalized more, mm. bared their soul more and revealed more of themselves, I truly now realize how wise both of them are. Mike Tyson was different. Like, he was loud and obnoxious, and you're like, Who's, whoa, what an idiot. Like, like come on, man. Now, Mike Tyson, when he speaks, I'm just like, dude, like you're, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're saying things that are much deeper 
than maybe the average person even thinks. And I feel kind of the same way about Brown. Like he's always been like this, okay, he's quiet. Like, you know, he plays like this Norse style kind of game. And sometimes he holds his water bottle upside down. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then in his later seasons, like he started to say these things and like, he gives these like little quotes and you're like, wow, that is a very deep statement. And none more than what he said in his press conference. And and I know you retweeted it and, and you mentioned how it should be like a model for any team or team building or workplace or anything like that. And it, it's just like, ask yourself if you're giving energy or you're taking energy. And it's such a simple kind of thing. And it, but it's so hard to do. It's so hard to find that. Mm-hmm. We've been a part of whatever. We've all been a part of a team at some point, sports, work, whatever, a large family, right? You that question applies to all of those. And it's just, I I want to. It it stuck with me all day. It's so strange to say that. Like I was seeing all these people getting very, you know, rightfully I think emotional. You know, uh, identifying him with this team and that that team at that era as a part of people's lives and you know like it, it all spirals right like y- you and I remember exactly where we were when those moments happened everyone who's a fan of this team and watched them during those moments remembers exactly when they were when they happened well those moments don't happen without this guy doing what he does so he's a part of your life if you're a fan of this team, he's a part of your life. He is responsible for memories that you cherish. And I think that's what makes people emotional now seeing him retire from the game and in a, in, in a, in a happy fashion, right? Like we're sending him off with one more playoff one. We're sending him off with all of his, you know, bones and brains intact. And it, it couldn't be in a better way. I think he's going out on his terms. He's getting one more playoff run. He's not like aching for a paycheck. He's not like hoping to come back for a front office job. He sounds kind of like content and we should all be so lucky, you know? And I think the point that you're making is a good one because those, those ideologies, those things that you're thinking, those, those, nice quotes and thoughts. I don't think that you can produce those kinds of thoughts um, unless you're content with yourself, with who you are as a person, what you've accomplished, where you are right now, you know, spiritually, mentally, wherever. And I think that's maybe that's the same thing that both of these guys have achieved. You know, maybe, maybe Mike Tyson's the same way. Like he's, he's kind of looked through where he is in his life and he's found like a state of, of peace with himself. And that was, that was the impression that I got from the press conference was that he was at 100% peace with this. It, it wasn't like a, I'm not sure, maybe here, maybe there. I, I, I thought he was completely at peace. And so when he gave that quote, I was like, this is coming from a man who's achieved this level of like nirvana or enlightenment, so to speak. And it was a very enlightening and enlightened quote to me. And it stuck with me all day. It really did. Like it stuck with me all day. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to remember that. That's, that's one more lasting memory now that Dustin Brown has made for me. Another thing, those two athletes I mentioned, they've both been through some shit. 
I think that's a very important part of of reaching that level that you were talking about as well. Because Brown, and this is just things I've read over the years, like struggling with his lisp and getting bullied by Sean Avery in the Kings locker room and being so quiet, barely saying any words like in his first few seasons. Then he kind of starts building himself up to being like a core player. Then the captaincy gets stripped, like Daryl Sutter, quote unquote, destroys his confidence. He has to deal with like kind of that public, you're not good enough anymore for this kind of display. He comes back with great seasons towards the end of his career, right? And if you there's this there was this uh, graph someone put up, I forget, but it it was like his career trajectory. And then there's this like big dip between essentially 2013 and 2017, I would say like there's this mm-hmm. crater and then like it goes back up. Right. So I think you have to go through some of those things too, to be, to sit there like he did and, and say those things with such confidence, knowing like, Hey, I've been through this, like with respect to Andre Kopitar, I don't think he's been through half of what Dustin Brown's been through. He's Kopi. I mean, he obviously came from a country that never produced an NHL player, and those were tremendous odds he had to overcome. But I think once he got there, it was just like, mm. here we go. You know, there's no ups or downs, really. There haven't been really ups or downs in his career, really, other than like maybe an off season here or there. So just a, just a thought. And yeah, man, we're going to shit. We're going to miss him. In some form or fashion, we're going to miss him. And I know there's been times this season where even we've said, like, you know, next season, I don't know if they should re-sign Dustin Brown. Right. And and I think, respectfully, we were saying that from the standpoint of player on the ice. Of course. I don't know Dustin course, Brown. I don't, no, I no, don't no, no, know. No. You know, ultimately, in a, in a non-salary cap non-roster limit world i i wouldn't care say he wasn't retiring and and those things were not a factor i would say yeah bring him back like clearly he's still a valuable person for these guys to be around but that's not the reality of managing a sports team so putting that aside i i have a ton of respect for him and i'm grateful to him for being a crucial part of these memories of my life and clearly the lives of, of all the Kings fans for the last decade plus, even if I wasn't cognizant enough to realize just how crucial he was at that time. I was reading that essentially it came down to, he was either going to play or he was either going to retire this season or play one more season with the Kings. And if for whatever reason, the Kings didn't want to bring him back, he was going to retire for sure. Hmm. So, there you go. I mean, that doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? Like, I think it was very important for him to finish it out with the Kings, and he did it on his own terms. He talked about being a dad, finally, which is great. He has four kids. Good Lord. <laughs> Where do they find the time? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Dustin Brown episode, layup, episode 84. No question. No question. I don't think there are any 84s probably in Kings history anyway. Nope. Great. Made it easy. All right, then. I think, I think we did a damn good job. How about you? I feel good. Yeah. I feel, I feel good. good. I'm too. ready for Monday. It's going to be great.
going to be great. So uh, again, appreciate all of the interaction. You guys have been tremendous. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate reviews. We appreciate comments. You know, we're not always going to get it right, but that's okay. We're, we're here to, to add something a little different to the narrative and, and discuss things how we want to discuss it. And we'll keep that going through the playoffs for sure. So uh, please like subscribe. You can find us pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast and let's have some fun in the playoffs. huh? Go Kings go. You've been listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.